So today, we start session 83. This was received April 5, 1982. It's another long session, 28 exchanges. Uh, a lot of interesting information. Don is very focused on conditions uh, before the veil. Um, not only to get a sense of how things were then, particularly in third density and with principles of soul evolution out of third density, uh, associated with prevail um, planets, societies, uh, but also how it uh, reveals um, the path, the path that, that we need to understand now in terms of um, principles. <clears throat> so, Law of One, Session 83, the greeting, I am Ra. I greet you in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. I communicate now. And Don first asks about Carla. Could you first please give me the condition of the instrument? Ross says, it is as previously stated, which means it's good enough. 83.2. Don asks, could you please tell me why the instrument gains weight now instead of loses it after a session? And um, it's a simple question with a long answer. Um, so let's, uh, we can again um, consider some metaphysical principles here. Ra's answer, 83.2. To assume that the instrument is gaining the weight of the physical body complex due to a session or working with Ra is erroneous. The instrument has no longer any physical material which, to any observable extent, must be used in order for this contact to occur. This is due to the determination of the group that the instrument shall not use the vital energy which would be necessary since the physical energy complex level is in deficit. Since the energy, therefore, for these contacts is a product of energy transfer, the instrument must no longer pay this physical price. Therefore, the instrument is not losing the weight. However, the weight gain, as it occurs, is the product of two factors. One is the increasing sensitivity of this physical vehicle to all that is placed before it, including that including that towards which it is distorted in ways you would call allergic. The second factor is the energizing of these difficulties. It is fortunate for the outlook of this contact and the incarnation of this entity that it is not distorted towards the overeating as the overloading of this much distorted physical complex would override even the most fervent affirmations of health illness and turn the instrument towards the distortions of illness health or, in the extreme case, the physical death. <clears throat> so, um, number one, I mean, it's not such a important metaphysical teaching here, but it is interesting and, and has consequences for our own health, issues of, you know, understanding of health, and physical versus vital energy, and, um, you know, body process. So, number one, um... She's not gaining weight because of their session or working with Ra. She has no more physical material which must be used for the contact to occur, <laughs> which means what? <laughs> the, the, the chi or energy condition of the physical body complex, not vital, higher chakra related, but lower chakra related, but particularly biochemical, physiological, uh, she's running on empty physically um, because she didn't have much to begin with. She doesn't overeat. Uh, and um, the only energy she's running on actually is energy transfer. So uh, the group has decided not to use her vital energy. Um, and so the only physical energy that's being used by Ra to maintain the contact with the sessions is actually the, the result of energy transfer. The energy, therefore, for the contacts is a product of energy transfer. Uh, and she doesn't pay a physical price <clears throat> or is not losing weight <clears throat> because there's no more substance of the body other than water to be taken. And it's not vital, so she's running on energy transfer, which is not a really good way to, to go for in the long run. The weight gain is not, <clears throat> it really seems to be water weight, as far as I can tell. 
um, resulting is the result from increasing sensitivity to all this place before it, including um, basically high uh, increasing uh, allergy, and then those difficulties are energized by negative entity or Orion, <clears throat> and some some wanderers, some spiritual people, uh, do get sickly along the way, not. <clears throat> Excuse me, not as the result of um, healthy catharsis that comes from spiritual practice. <clears throat> you mean? So I mean, there is there is um, a healing crisis that comes and goes along the path for many. That is not the same as moving into a condition of higher uh, aller allergic reactivity which is what she uh, went through or was here going on. Same thing for some wanderers. You see some channels, you see some psychics, particularly female women psychics, um, who are very unhealthy. And um, it's related to their spiritual or metaphysical activity. Uh, how it comes about, I don't know. But it can also be associated with negative attack. So there are some people doing psychic work, channeling work, unwisely uh, and they are under attack <clears throat> but they may not know it and that has resulted in increasing uh, allergic reactivity or allergies which means uh, uh, inflammation in the body which means water weight gain uh, as the body's way of handling those allergic reactions or inflammation seems to me so uh, this <clears throat> This uh, certainly was a foundation for the ill health she had later in life, or all the way in her life uh, till death after the contacts. Then, Ra's saying that it's good for her in that situation that she didn't have a tendency to overeat. Then, and and we can. This is a little minor teaching on overeating, which some of us do. Uh, <clears throat> as overeating is like overloading overloading the body and for her it was a much distorted physical complex meaning she had real uh, chronic physical body physiological problems uh, overeating as overloading the body can override even in this case fervent affirmations of health meaning uh, commitment in mind and I would say behavior too towards health commitment to health um, could lead, you know, if she had been prone to overeating, that could override her spiritual affirmation work towards health, or any other thing she was doing to help her body, and lead even to death, but in general, overeating can really hurt a body, you know, you can, uh, too much of a good thing can kill you, or you can eat uh, brown rice and a vegan diet or a paleo diet or this diet or that diet uh, and in in moderation it may be great and yet there is a point after which it's no longer moderation it's excess and it can kill you it can lead you can you know auto auto uh, poison the body by overeating even good food so that's something to consider and clearing out or fasting is helpful. 83.3, Don says, thank you. He has a long question here. I'm going to ask a rather long, complex question here, and I would request that the answer to each portion of this question be given if there was a significant difference prior to the veil than following the veil, so that I can get idea an idea of how what we experience now is used for better polarization. Meaning, um pre-veil, post-veil conditions, comparisons to better understand our path now. He goes on, asking if there is any significant difference, and what was the difference, before the veil, in the following, while incarnate in third density, <laughs> sleep, dreams, physical pain, mental pain, sex, disease, catalyst programming, random catalyst, relationships, or communication with the higher self or with the mind-body-spirit totality, or any other mind, body, or spirit functions before the veil that would be significant with respect to their difference after the veil. Uh, frankly, it's very rude to ask a teacher this kind of question. <laughs> Don is a great, great man, but this is a very rude question to ask, frankly, because th this is overloading a teacher. Now, Ra doesn't 
think this way, but uh, it's not a good idea to ask ten questions at once or uh, tell me about these ten heavy topics now, please. So, human to human, this is not cool in my book, but uh, Ra doesn't have emotionality, so they could uh, add no response, <laughs> no emotional charge, as I may have. Ra gives a long answer and um, at first explains um, dreaming and then and catalyst and then explains on the uh, or explains pre and post veil uh, differences uh, regarding sexuality. So let's look in. 83.4, 3 Ra's answer. Firstly, let us establish that both before and after the veil the same conditions existed in time-space. That is, the veiling process is a space-time phenomenon. So keep that in mind. Secondly, the character of experience was altered drastically by the veiling process. In some cases, such as the dreaming and the contact with the higher self, the experience was quantitatively different due to the fact that the veiling is a primary cause of the value of dreams and is also the single door against which the higher self must stand awaiting entry. Before veiling, dreams were not for the purpose of using the so-called unconscious to further utilize catalyst, but were used to learn teach from teach learners within the inner planes as well as those of outer origin of higher density. As you deal with each subject of which you spoke, you may observe during the veiling process not a quantitative change in the experience, but a qualitative one. Let us, as an example, choose your sexual activities of energy transfer. If you have a desire to treat other subjects in detail, please query forthwith. In the instance of the sexual activity of those not dwelling within the veiling, each activity was a transfer. There were some transfers of strength. Most were rather attenuated in the strength of the transfer due to the lack of veiling, meaning uh, no veiling before the veil. In the third density, entities are attempting to learn the ways of love. If it can be seen that all are one being, it becomes much more difficult for the undisciplined personality to choose one mate and thereby initiate itself into a program of service. It is much more likely that the sexual energy will be dissipated more randomly without either great joy or great sorrow depending from these experiences. Therefore, the green ray energy transfer in sex, being almost without exception the case in sexual energy transfers prior to veiling remains weakened and without significant crystallization. The sexual energy transfers and blockages after veiling have been discussed previously. It may be seen to be a more complex study, but one far more efficient in crystallizing those who seek the green ray energy center. Pretty big answer here. <clears throat> First of all, veiling is 3D space-time only. So conditions in or of time-space were just same. Different only in that, you know, the entity who dies, quote, dies, goes out of a different kind of space-time than time-space, or a different kind of space-time before the veil than after the veil. So their experience in time-space would be somewhat different, because uh, there was no veil in space-time. But, um, time-space itself is the same. So conditions existed, the same conditions. So veiling is 3D space-time only. Then the quality or character of experience was indeed altered drastically by veiling or was quite drastically different before veiling. In terms of dreaming and contact with higher self, there is um, a look at, you see, this is a discussion of quantitative versus qualitative differences in experience pre and post veiling. <laughs> All right, this is session 83, so we're getting uh, very high, abstruse, subtle. Uh, so we have before the veil and after the veil, 
experience changed in both quantitative and qualitative ways, and then an analysis of different types of experience that were changed or different before and after the veil in terms of quantity, quanti quantity and quality. So, in terms of dreaming and, and contact with higher self, we have a quantitative difference of experience because, um, as we see, uh, veiling, Ross says, is a primary cause of the value of dreams because dreams basically help us discover what the conscious mind doesn't know, to potentiate the conscious, for the conscious to go to the subconscious, the royal road to the unconscious, as uh, is understood in psychoanalysis, uh, dreams as a gateway to soul, which means deeper self-understanding, which means uh, the matrix of mind um, self-potentiates with the potentiator or um, high priestess or the subconscious, the ocean of deep mind. That um, value of dreams is different when there's no veil or curtain. There's no there was a, a there was a difference between matrix and and potentiator. One two five were the only positions in the tarot still uh, that were existing before the veil, but uh, there's no curtain. So there's a distinction, but no curtain. There's an over there, but there's no wall between here and there. You just have to go there to get it. But there is a there and a here, or a conscious and an unconscious. There's just no curtain. Uh, then dreams weren't useful. Um, dreams before the veil um, therefore were not for the purpose of using the so-called unconscious to further utilize catalyst which is the primary psychoanalytical or personal use of dream to uh, use the so-called unconscious so-called because it's only unconscious to the degree we're, that, that the conscious mind is not activated you know to the, it's the unconscious is only unconscious uh, to the extent that we don't see it or can't get it. As we see it and get it, it's no longer called unconscious, and eventually there is no, there's no difference between uh, matrix and potentiator of mind, and that's called complete and perfect enlightenment. And that's why those guys, they can know their past lives and the future and karma and all sorts of very subtle things because... Um, the so-called what all, all that was previously unconscious has been subsumed and absorbed into the conscious so the conscious then includes the unconscious or the the consciousness uh, has full usage of the whole mind including the whole deep mind that's not the case before enlightenment and surely uh, in a veiled condition uh, much we don't know dreams then are a catalyst um, to, you can say, further utilize catalyst, a catalyst to understand catalyst, like dreams revealing uh, deeper processes, uh, deeper, deeper psychological process. Uh, before the veil, they were, it, it was really not dreaming, it was out-of-body uh, instruction. OBE, going to the astral plane, getting taught from teach learners within the inner planes, meaning 3D time-space astral planes, higher subplanes of their density and then also um, teachers from um, outer origin of higher density meaning fourth and fifth and sixth density teachers Buddhists would call devas uh, higher dimensional confederation teachers who are coming straight out of fourth and fifth and sixth density positive space-time so that's why I've said before for anybody who's listening that carefully uh, what we call time-space includes experience of higher-dimensional uh, realms, not only astral plane. So most people have such a limited metaphysics, they can't, they don't even know the difference, <laughs> they don't even know the multiple subplanes of the astral. Then, not only, uh, you have higher dimensions, physical, non-physical, or space-time, space-time, time-space. Uh, that is also accessed by or through the astral or by um, what's called time-space or subconscious. And so, um, before the veil, dreams didn't were, weren't used to explore the subconscious because it was readily available in space-time consciously by effort. But 
um, for instructional, you know, adept type training on higher planes or from higher dimensional teachers. Then in terms of higher self contact, um, higher self contact or, or the veil, Ra says, is the single door against which higher self must stand awaiting entry, waiting for the call. It awaits the call for help. It helps as much as it can, but the more you call, the more it can help. But the more you help yourself and call, the more uh, help can be given. So uh, it's not simply quantity of calling that determines quantity of response or higher self-help. It's the quantity of calling or quantity in calling and quality of calling in association with the degree of self-helping. You know, God helps those who help themselves. That's true. Or higher self helps those maximally who maximally help themselves. The, the teacher um, loves the good student. And the good student is the one who's doing the most work on themselves. Is, is most committed to love and truth and balance and purification and uh, disciplines of personality or development. That one gets the most from the teachers. Then, <clears throat> um, um, there was no door waiting higher self. Um, and Ron didn't talk about uh, how... Um, how it was before the veil for higher self uh, I would say that higher self uh, had no door there was no door that higher self was standing against awaiting entry uh, but higher self may still have been awaiting entry <laughs> without a door uh, there was no door but higher self um, doesn't shower blessings on 3d souls for the heck of it uh, one, you know, must deserve the help. So, fewer, uh, many are called, but few are chosen. <clears throat> many uh, are available, or all are available for help from higher self, but few get much because few choose themselves or make themselves deserving or worthy of it by quality of self-working. It's not ontological worthiness, like he's a better person, therefore he gets more help. No, that one has made more effort to purify or what? Remove lower chakra blockage and develop blue-green indigo. Of course, that's what we're talking about. So the one who makes more effort gets more help. And the one who makes less effort gets less help. But there was no veil before, there was no door before the veil. Um, <clears throat> and Ra's saying that overall, during veiling or after veiling, the change was more qualitative, not quantitative. And so the quality of uh, dreams, you, you know, I mean, it, it's, ex, it's ontological <laughs> different with dreams before and after the veil, actually. But let's not spend an hour on this question. Um, there were no psychologically based dreams before the veil, it seems. Now, many of our dreams are psychologically based or uh, windows to um, subconscious psychodynamics that can be useful to understand life catalyst and uh, understand our process more deeply. Uh, <clears throat> but in general, the change after the veil was in quality of experience. When we talk about sexual activity, sex, um, Ra calls it sexual activities of energy transfer, meaning there's always some degree of red ray transfer, Ra had said. Uh, sex equals uh, mind-body-spirit dual energy transfer, always, somewhat, in some way, according to chakra conditions and consciousness. Then, um, before the veil, <clears throat> each activity was a transfer um, and because there was no, uh, the, the, there wasn't blockage as much as there was lack of development. Some transfers had strength, most were not that strong, <clears throat> attenuated in strength of transfer due to lack of veiling. And Ra explains that, that <clears throat> before the veil, it was seen in, in before the veil, 
it was seen and known that all is one. It can be seen, it was seen, that all are one being, all is one being. Not all are, but all is. All is one being, all beings are, all beings is one life. All beings are one being, all, all beings is one life. Uh, seeing that, knowing that, um, it was less likely uh, Rock says more difficult, <laughs> less likely for one undisciplined personality or 3D soul to choose a single mate uh, and make a mated, you know, one-to-one -one partnership. Uh, an undisciplined personality. Now, this sort of associates um, the, the choosing of a single partner uh, as a program of service <laughs> that represents um, uh, an act, the an action of a disciplined personality. <laughs> now, there is something called true love and perfect compatibility or excellent compatibility, where two people don't have to discipline themselves to stay one-one or monogamous relationship. They don't have to discipline themselves at all because they feel joy being together. Uh, and wouldn't want anybody else because they don't have the same degree of, of fine, perfect compatibility. There's no disciplining needed needed for that. However, we're in 3D space-time, <laughs> and particularly now after the veil, and particularly now in a highly distorted world. And so, distorted collective consciousness, 3D social, uh, 3D group. And so, <clears throat> it is... Uh, at the time before the veil, uh, entities um, that didn't want to discipline themselves uh, because they knew all is one and um, everything they wanted they could have. They had total security in the creator, Ross said. Uh, they didn't have the idea that they should choose a, ma a mate, a single mate, a single partner. That led to sexual energy dissipating more randomly which is a funny way of saying it, it really means that in their sex with each other, there was neither great joy or sorrow. There was, no, there was not much intensity of transfer. Now, for wanderers, it, this is again a long subject, which I don't want to get into. It could just take another half hour on this exchange, 83.3, and I don't want to do that. But for wanderers, there are some very significant principles here about um, uh, perfect, uh, about uh, monogamous partnership or one-to-one -one partnership in 3D space-time after the veil, uh, different than our natural experience in higher dimensions or from sixth density, where in higher densities or sixth density positive, uh, perfect compatibility or the most suitable mate for any soul is easily seen and naturally chosen and effortlessly maintained not here <laughs> and in 3D itself before or after the veil there really is some kind of um, what appears to be a force self-forcing or um, self-restraining associated with discipline or disciplined personality associated with sticking to a single partner, uh, regardless of compatibility or in the inevitable imperfect compatibility. The inevitability of imperfect or incompatible or partially the, the inevitable incompatibilities of, of two partners or of two people in a partnership in 3D space-time before and after the veil. And so... <clears throat> Um, full fusion is very uh, difficult to find or achieve in, in 3D space-time as distinct from six-density life not only because of the veil but because of it being 3D space-time and um, people don't even know themselves well enough to fashion perfect compatibility or perfect partnership normally actually and so there, there's much we can get into here, but I won't. But what happened before the veil was then that um, 
they um, <clears throat> found no need for discipline <clears throat> and um, saw no value in initiating itself themselves into the program of service of staying with a single partner. And so then they didn't have any strong green ray transfers. They had them, but they weren't strong enough and they didn't lead to strong polarization. So almost without, without exception, green ray transfers were the case. <clears throat> it was all loving sexuality, but uh, it wasn't strong and therefore didn't lead to green-blue crystallization or harvestability, and the Logos deemed that that was not quite good enough. <clears throat> and so there are all sorts of strange implications here <laughs> of uh, things are too easy <clears throat> because they're too honest, <laughs> because they're too undistorted or unveiled or real. And so reality... Uh, associated with unveiling, because veiling is a uh, faux curtaining of mind, faux, false, curtaining of mind <clears throat> in 3D space-time by the Logos for a certain purpose, and it's basically <clears throat> logoic, lo the Logos adding Maya, adding illusion, adding falsity, because uh, the product of living in reality was not good enough for the Logos. How about that? Uh, it's a very strange thing where the natural product of, of 3D space-time unveiled <clears throat> and beings not artificially curtained in mind uh, was considered inadequate for the Logos in accord with the purpose of, of, of the octave's creation. The, the purpose, uh, the original desire is that entities seek and become one. The Logos... Uh, logoic desire that all entities seek and become one was not well effected or successfully accomplished uh, because there was because beings in third density uh, living in reality which is that all is one and, and I am the creator and the creator is in me and in us and in you and all is one and all is great love security truth living in that reality in third density uh, didn't lead entities to seek uh, and become one, or fulfill um, the original purpose for which there, for which let there be light occurred. Uh, uh, light was let be, the, the letting be of light. Let there be light. That occurred because the logos wanted to fashion entities or itself into apparent entities with apparent self-consciousness who had a desire to seek and become one or get out of the system. Now, the whole thing, for anybody who thinks that whole thing seems absurd, um, I, I get it. I get it. It seems a bit absurd to me. <clears throat> you know, it's like, what to, what to do, you know, how, how Richie Rich entertains himself. Richie Rich, <laughs> the poor little rich boy, uh, the logos that is infinite, uh, has got to do something. So, <clears throat> it, it fashions... Uh, an illusory realm of multidimensional life with illusory uh, self-consciousness or separative uh, selfhood <clears throat> in temporary bodies and forms uh, uh, under certain laws like causality and karma uh, that comes to full awareness of the artificial dream it's been put into to get out of it, to return to its source, <laughs> which never really needed to create the dream in the first place. For what? Uh, it's a very bizarre thing, frankly. And, um, you know, absurdism as uh, complete and perfect enlightenment. But we are in suffering. As Gautama said, yeah, there is dukkha. And so, dukkha ain't fun. Anyway, <clears throat> um, the veiling, so Ra calls it a more complex study, meaning there's a lot of stuff that can be teased out of this discussion here that takes us way, way out into um, the, the, <clears throat> the, the uh, teleological basis of, of cosmology. Um, the metaphysics, the, teleolo the metaphysical teleologic, tele teleologics, meaning the philosophy of purpose, goal, 
uh, of cosmology, of multidimensional reality, for an infinite beingness or for infinity with all totality of, of experience, um, fashioning the only way that, that infinity could make experience is to move into illusion. <laughs> and, and the purpose of uh, that massive creational illusion, maya, uh, avidya, <clears throat> is for uh, beings in there to get themselves out of it. How bizarre <laughs> to me. <clears throat> but um, that teleological basis was not fulfilled well by beings in 3D before the veil. <clears throat> so the veil was put in, and uh, here we are. 83.4, Don goes on. Let's take then, since we're on the subject of sex, the relationship before and after the veil of disease. In this particular case, venereal disease. <clears throat> Did this, was this type of disease in existence prior to the veil? Alright, Ross said, there has been that which is called disease, both of this type and others, before and after this a great experiment. However, since the venereal disease in a, is in large part a function of the thought forms of a distorted nature, which are associated with sexual energy blockage, the venereal disease is almost entirely the product of mind-body-spirit complexes interaction after the veiling. <clears throat> so, disease equals um, physiological, physiologically or um, uh, cytologically, how about that, cellular uh, destruction, dissolution, breakdown, you know, the the uh, eating or dissolution of cellular structures by microorganisms, the little guys, bacteria, yeast, the fungal the fungal men, and the bacterial fellows and the angry viri, the angry viri, and the <clears throat> hungry fungal fellows, and the busy bacterial boys. Uh, existed as lower second density beings <coughs> before the veil, of course. Venereal, <coughs> venereal fellows as well, streptococci and gonococci, gonococcals, and all those fellows, they were all around. But uh, in terms of VD, it, Ross says it's associated with sexual energy blockage and um, particularly thought, distorted thought forms associated with sexual energy blockage, right? Uh, how do people get VD? Well, there's physiological transmission. However, there's more transmission than uh, disease formation. It happens all the time. Somebody is uh, HIV positive, and their partner never gets it, and they don't, and they have unprotected sex. They have quote unsafe sex. <clears throat> I mock that because sex, you know, the whole. Uh, this is part of a plan too to 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 degrade sexuality, to to make it so frightened, fear-based, fear-associated. But yes, there really is disease. Yes, there really are prophylactic methods of prevention. However, the great prophylaxis about against disease, viral disease, venereal disease, or any other type of disease, is freedom from energy blockage, <laughs> freedom from distortion in mind, and so. <clears throat> you have people who go into an active infection zone and emerge fine. And you have people who are in uh, healthy areas and they get sick and they die, uh, you know, after contact with whatever. So some people, uh, the, the <clears throat> susceptibility to disease associated with immunity, um, associated with ultimately uh, seven chakra conditions, is what leads to uh, proliferation of disease or any person getting anything. <clears throat> There's a physiological component. There, there is um, physiological transmission. However, what uh, the degree to which physiological disease mechanism transmission leads to illness <clears throat> is, is totally a, a result of that individual's immunity and their and their own, you know endocrine uh, balances and that comes right out of the seven chakra conditions and that comes right out of mind and so uh, 
sexual disease comes from sexual energy blockage or lower chakra blockage associated with sexuality. And before the veil, there was not that kind of venereal disease occurring because they didn't have lower chakra blockages associated with lack of love. And so any kind of sexuality that, <clears throat> uh, to any extent, is um, loveless, loveless sexuality, S&M of all type, meaning um, domination, submission, or aggression in sexuality, manipulation, control, possession, or taking advantage of anybody in any way, even wanting to be taken advantage of. It's associated with lower chakra blockage, associated with sexuality, and that, that makes one more susceptible to disease. So it's very complicated, um, but uh, there is physiological process, uh, but whether any one person um, experiences um, symptoms and, and pathology in, in physiological process depends more on mind and immunity and seven chakra conditions than any doctor realizes. <clears throat> and so um, love uh, for Green Ray is certainly uh, a major basis of immunity and health in the association of the fourth chakra being the thymus gland. Just that. So all of this goes on and on. 83.5 <laughs> You mentioned it did exist in a small way prior to the veil. What was the source of its development prior to the veiling process? meaning the source of development of VD prior to veiling. Ra said, the source was as random as the nature of disease distortions are <clears throat> at heart in general. Each portion of the body complex is in a state of growth at all times. The reversal of this is seen as disease and has the benign function of ending an incarnation at an appropriate space-time nexus. This was the nature of disease, including that which you call venereal. Uh, so, yes, it seemed to exist in a small way prior to the veil, because those organisms existed. Then how, Don asks, really, how could it flourish or develop um, basis of development of those lower second density creatures associated with sexual disease? How could it happen prior to the veil when there was no lack of love? And Ross said the source was as random as the nature of disease distortions are at heart in general. What an answer. So the source was random. What does that mean, random? Well, it was the random, I think maybe they mean the um, evolutionary basis of lower second, of any particular lower second density creature like bacteria and virus associated with VD, <coughs> the, um, the randomness is, is uh, planetary evolution, right? The minerals and elements that are here and the processes of, you know, wind, air and fire teaching water and earth, <laughs> as Ra said, the, the, the flow of elemental interaction over millions of years giving rise to those organisms okay maybe that's what Ra means by the source being random <clears throat> and that's the case of all disease distortions or disease mechanisms meaning lower second density microorganisms okay and then each portion of the body complex is in a state of growth at all times that's an important principle and so there is no coming to perfect perfect health and staying there there is no such thing as an um, unchanging state of perfect health. So-called perfect health or excellent health is <clears throat> maintaining balance in ever-changing conditions, ever-changing, ever-growing physiological conditions and mind conditions and life conditions and electromagnetic conditions. All those ever-changing, maintaining a balance um, throughout all those levels of change occurring simultaneously. That's not, not, that's an, not an easy piece of work. So all these, all these levels of, of experience or, or process, inner, outer, body, mind, spirit, um, chakras, 
hormonal balances, uh, you know, nervous system activity, blood circulation, tissue condition, organ health, environmental conditions, people around us, our reactions to them, all of that impulses from higher self and, and evolving development, all of that ceaseless um, multi-variable continual change at all levels uh, <clears throat> surfing it in a way or keeping balance while all that is in continual change and growth that's called perfect health then the reversal of that balance I would say is called disease and Ra saying that disease is not a bad thing because it helps end an incarnation hey hey so it helps a body die <clears throat> and it helps um, end the viability of a body uh, at the appropriate time hopefully uh, and and that's the function of disease actually is is uh, to end the body's viability or end an incarnation then Don makes a statement that Ra says your thinking is sufficiently clear <clears throat> 83 6 <clears throat> sorry sorry for all the coughing um, it's painless but disturbing disruptive Don makes the long statement says I'll make the statement and you can correct me then as I see the nature of the action of disease specifically before the veil it seems to me that the logos had decided upon a program where an individual mind body spirit would continue to grow in mind and body in mind, sorry, would continue to grow in mind, and the body would be the third density analog of this mind, and the growth would be continual, unless there was a lack of growth, or an inability for some reason, for the mind to continue along the growth patterns. If this growth decelerated, or stopped, then what we would call disease would then act in a way, so as to eventually terminate this, the physical experience, so that a new physical experience could be started to continue the growth process after review of the entire process had taken place between incarnations would you clear up my thinking on that please and Ra very wisely doesn't um, doesn't go into the many um, subtle uh, mistaken points there um, although because the main the main view is correct Ross said, your thinking is sufficiently clear on this subject, and they'd rather not nitpick. Uh, so, yes, there is continual growth. Um, Ra was saying that the body complex is in a state of growth at all times, okay? That doesn't mean that um, a mind-body spirit would continue to grow in mind. They're different. The body is always changing. That's, that's card eight. You know, that's the, the matrix of body, ever-changing. And as to mind-spirit growth, that's another matter. Uh, and then body, you know, uh, when the incarnation is over, disease, little microorganisms serve their function and uh, make the body unviable. And then there's life review and then start up again. 83.7, Don said, One thing I don't understand is why, if there was no veil that the review of incarnation after the incarnation would help the process since it seems to me that the entity should already be aware of what was happening possibly this has to do with the nature of space-time and time-space could you clear that up please and that is um, a sort of interesting question uh, without a veil what needs to be reviewed that wasn't known during the incarnation Ross said it is true that the nature of time-space is such that a lifetime may be seen whole as a book or, or record. The page is studied, rifled through, and reread. However, the value of review is that of the testing as opposed to the studying. At the testing, when the test is true, the distillations of all study are made clear. During the process of study, as you may call the incarnation, regardless of an entity's awareness of the process taking place. The material is diffused and over-attention is almost inevitably placed upon detail. The testing upon the cessation of the incarnative state 
is not that testing which involves the correct memorization of many details. The testing is, rather, the observing of self by self, often with aid, as we have said. In this observation, one sees the sum of all the detailed study, <laughs> that being an attitude or a complex of attitudes which bias the consciousness of the mind-body-spirit. And... <clears throat> Don, we're really, this is a very major um, um, exchange and answer from Ra 83.7. And we're going to end in this zone. 83.8, Don made an analogy of flying. If I fly an airplane, it's just, you know, it's a poor, and he even says it's a poor analogy. So I'm not going to end today's session on a poor analogy. But, uh, He's talking about flying and um, let's just stay with Ra and not get lost in Don's question. Um, the answer at 83.7 really is what's the purpose of life? <clears throat> what, is, what is the nature of the life review after death or on in time space the, the nature of life review <clears throat> has bearing, has profound bearing on the purpose of incarnation, or, quote, purpose of life. So, Ross said, the purpose of evolution, the purpose of incarnation is evolution of mind, body, spirit. Okay? The purpose of third density is to learn the ways of love. <clears throat> now, Nityananda said that um, each moment is a test, meaning the whole life is a test. But Ra is saying that the nature, the review is a test. So why do you call it a, a review and not a test? Now we get complicated. Now, <clears throat> the, the so-called review, Ra is calling a test. And while <laughs> Nichananda called the life each moment a test, Ra is calling it a study. So you got some kind of funky uh, <clears throat> inversions here. Now, <clears throat> sorry, sorry. So, um, what is time-space all about? <clears throat> it, in time-space, there's an emphasis, or there's a freedom of mind to travel in time, which means linear time uh, is what we experience as linear time is experienced more closely akin to true simultaneity associated with what higher self knows in late sixth density. So, in time-space, um, yesterday, today, and tomorrow is experienceable now. That's closer to true simultaneity. That's the basis of Ra saying that then a lifetime may be seen whole as a book or a record. Uh, you can see the whole life as one story or you can go through each sub-story or each chapter or the dynamics of every sentence in every chapter in the whole story. Pages studied, rifled through, reread. So you can go into detail or you can <clears throat> analyze the, the, the nature of uh, the totality of the trees in the forest, the contours of the forest in its relationship to the environment, meaning a single lifetime in its relationship to previous and past lives or previous and, and future lives. So, the entirety of this incarnation as Scott, for me, the entirety of your incarnation as whatever your name is, or your ever, whatever sense you have yourself, of yourself, the entirety of this current incarnation in relation to the, pre the last lifetime and the next one, in relation to the sweep of multiple lifetimes before, and the, and the expectation of multiple lives to come in the future, so-called future. That can be seen as well as the, the intricacies of each person's reaction to each activity we do or each action we do in relation to them. <clears throat> How any person reacted and their long-term consequences um, of any speech or behavior we did in relation to them at any phase in this lifetime. Uh, I used to be a preceptor in the life review committee 
so I know about these things. Uh, look at the movie Defending Your Life. You get a good sense of what this is, uh, that the introduction view. So one can analyze others' long-term cons the long-term consequences upon others' thought and their behavior and their health of any particular thought or in a particular any particular action, behavior, and speech we made to them at any one point in our life as um, an anal a micro-analysis of consequences of either good and bad or positive, negative, or skillful, unskillful activity, behavior, speech, in relation to any particular person at any one point in, in this whole lifetime. And even how it relates to particular relations with others of the same mind or of a similar catalytic experience in any past life. How I responded to a person uh, a certain type of person in this life when I was 15 versus how I relact, related to them when I was 15 five lifetimes ago. All of that is knowable. So, yet, Ra doesn't call that review, they call it a testing. So they're, they're saying the value of review, life review, is that of a testing, not a studying, okay? So it's not a studying, the incarnation is called a studying, while Nityananda calls it a testing, and Ra calls the review a testing, rather than uh, a summary review. All right. So whatever words we, we use, it's very confusing. So <clears throat> the life review is called a testing, and the incarnative process is called a studying, though it seems like a testing to me. At the testing, meaning the life review, when the test is true, <clears throat> what does that mean? Meaning, when when there is review of essential tendencies, review of essential um, uh, karmic stream uh, tendencies of mind, body, spirit that are under that were under examination or under um, studying during the lifetime. <laughs> you see, from our perspective, going up to higher self, we can say the lifetime is a testing. <clears throat> from, the re from the perspective of higher self, looking down into the lifetime, each incarnation is a studying. Higher self is studying our reactions to incarnational testing. Our reaction, or our working with incarnational catalyst, for us appears as a testing. For higher self is a testing, is, is studying uh, of itself. <laughs> higher self is studying the results of incarnational testing in our reactions to incarnational catalyst. It feels like a testing to us. For higher self, it's a studying. And so, <laughs> at the testing, meaning life review, when the testing is true, meaning uh, higher self is, is running the show, uh, and there is a focus upon essential tendencies, or I focus upon the the, the the essentials of the incarnational studying, which feels to us like an incarnational testing. When that's occurring, then distillations of all study, meaning the degree to which we develop love light or green, blue, indigo during the incarnation, which Ra calls study, are then made clear to higher self and oneself, but oneself is higher self. <laughs> so you are higher self studying what appears or feels like a testing. Incarnation as a study. Who's studying what? Higher self, which is you, studies or learns how well or how we uh, <clears throat> responded to or worked with catalysts during the incarnation, which often seems to us like a testing or a challenging. But for higher self, it's actually already done. <laughs> So you see, from time when once you start knocking out time space or linear time, higher self all is one, love one. There is there is true simultaneity. It's studying itself in the example of a lifetime's experiential or res, re, relation response to experiential catalyst, which feels like a testing or a challenge, but really is simply um, an exploration for higher self of its own potentials expressed in, in the appearance of uh, 
evolution or or successive progressive development the 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 appearance is is temporal progression progression of spiritual development over multiple lifetimes but actually it's a higher self experiencing its own seven dimensional total potentialities it's it's total self um, manifest by the appearance of multi-incarnationality the appearance the illusory appearance of multiple dimensions multiple incarnations uh, apparently discrete experiences of incarnations and the appearance of, of progression and change but it's not what feels to us as a testing is higher self atmanic study of its own being its own seven dimensional being <clears throat> so then during the process of study meaning during an incarnation right Ra said which you may call an incarnation which Ra calls a study it's higher self study regardless of an entity's awareness of the process taking place whether you know it or not uh, study is occurring um, after death, there's the distillation. The life review is then the distillations of the study. The distillations of the study is the review. <laughs> eh? And so, what's reviewed, uh, the the review is a distillation of what's occurred during the study or an incarnation, whether you know it or not. Whether you know it or not, uh, during the incarnation. <clears throat> material is diffused and over-attention almost play, always placed, inevitably placed upon detail, meaning we get over-attached to detail, like how I'm feeling in my, uh, you know, third toe. What's the issue with my third toe? The issue is not your third toe. The issue is um, the uh, symbolic um, basis, you know, the symbolic meaning of that toe on the left or right foot uh, with its own particular condition of pain as an indication of a particular distortion in, in the psychology or lower chakra blockage as associated with learning or not learning a particular lesson <clears throat> as associated with the significance of that particular development in this incarnation as it relates to multi-incarnational development it's not your third toe that's the problem It's the, the manifestation of a multi-incarnational trend of development of qualities of soul or mind. That, <laughs> that is pulling out of the detail and going to <clears throat> the uh, heart of the matter as far as I can do or see. Higher self knows that. And so uh, we, we, we see the detail uh, of my thinking and my feeling, my particular parts of my body my particular condition right now but for higher self <clears throat> um, it's it's a manifestation of a multi-incarnational um, long-term development of certain mind qualities or certain balances certain aspects of love or wisdom or balance or increasing awareness or strength and faith so or or sense of self or working on the story, you know, the, the the basic meaning of lower chakras, the lower triad being cleared out, being blockages cleared. So <clears throat> that that's what's going on here, whether we know it or not. Um, then um, in the life review, which is Ra's calling a testing, which again is a distillation. So you've got distillations of the incarnation, the life review of the incarnation is a testing <laughs> that that uh, associates with distillations of the study or the learning during the lifetime. So the study is the learning, or the lifetime is the study. It's distilled in life review, but that can be called a testing. Yeah. The testing upon the life review, the testing or life review, upon cessation of incarnative state, meaning the end of a lifetime, is not, now, now Ross qualifying what they mean by the word testing, it's not the testing or a type of testing that involves correct memorization of details. So it's not like uh, you defend your life by saying, uh, I, I have faith in myself, or I am a loving person, or I have discernment, or I can figure these things out. It's not 
um, formulaic. It's not rote learning, repetition, recitation. Um, it's observing. <laughs> so why they call it testing, I don't know. It's a testing is observing of self by self, okay, with the aid of others, of course, angelics and uh, teachers and higher self. In this observing, deeper, you know, incarnational distillation, testing, life review, observation. <laughs> observation is a review. Um, why it's called a testing is um, it's really a re revelation of, um, of the state of one's learning. In the observation or um, life reviewing, uh, so-called testing, one is seeing uh, the sum of all the detailed study, meaning the lifetime as detailed study. Certainly, if you, certainly for higher self, we can say that. Uh, what is the sum of all the detailed study or incarnation? Well, it's an attitude or complex of attitudes which bias consciousness. And so, spiritual development, and, and I think Carla had said this at some point, that um, spiritual development is very much attitudinal change. In this very deep, deep statement, what is spiritual development? It's, it's not simply a release of lower travel blockage that it is, but in the mind sphere, or in terms of quality of experience, it's a revelation of distortion <clears throat> in mind, like uh, tendencies, but particularly core beliefs and values that are the basis of uh, thoughts and feelings and decision, uh, and emotional charge reactivity. Emotional charge reactivity uh, and the various thoughts and feelings in mind are the outgrowth of deep mind core beliefs and values. These deep mind core beliefs and values are associated with attitudes or a complex of attitudes. Or the attitudes and complex of attitudes come out of core beliefs and values. And that's really where the deepest, the deeper levels of qualitative healing occur. The quantitative is, is energy. The qualitative is mind or, or states of consciousness or qual conditions, qualities of consciousness. Anyway, um, <laughs> that, that is an introduction to life review, which could be called a testing or distillation. And it's not simply, it's not simply what it is, is as it is experienced by higher self. Because at that point, there's resting in the form maker body, not in some room. Uh, with a projector, and that that intimate union with higher self during quote life review uh, reveals um, how we have been in the incarnation, and how uh, and the consequences of all we we said, we thought, and said and did, body mind speech. That observation can be called a testing in that it's a revelation of what is, uh, of the conditions of one's being that led to our activity during the Incarnation, or the basis of our activity, the basis of our experience. Anyway, that's a brief introduction. And it, you can see it goes very, very deep, just to understand life review. So anyway, next week we'll pick up at 83.8, and... Um, um, Thank you for being here. I hope it was helpful, even though I coughed a lot. Um, thanks for take, taking the time, if you're still here. Take good care of yourself. See you next time, and good night.